0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text-raised message comes from all three readings that you heard just a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, if you've been following us in our Wednesday Lenten series, looking at the hymn, Abide With Me, The week before last, we covered the third verse of that hymn. And if you haven't been following along like you heard in the announcements, the messages are available to listen to through our website. This is what verse 3 says. Come not in terrors as the king of kings, but kind and good with healing in thy wings. Tears for all woes, a heart for every plea. Come, friend of sinners, thus abide with me. And thinking about God coming not in terrors puts this image into our head sometimes because there are those who, in the world, view God as a God of terror, as a God of wrath and vengeance and anger and hatred. And he is ready to strike down anyone with a lightning bolt from the sky. He's the kid with the magnifying glass on a hot, sunny day, aiming it so that he fries all of the ants on the sidewalk. And of course, we are the ants. Or like the cartoon shows, he's sitting at a computer ready to smite us whenever he wants. And if you read the Old Testament story from Numbers today, You might see God send a fiery serpent or serpents down upon the people, and they bite the people, and many of them died. Seems a bit harsh. So it would make sense for you to view God as a God of terrors, a God of death, wrath, vengeance, anger, hatred, maybe even evil. Certainly doesn't seem like he's a God of love. And after all, this is towards the end of the 40 years that the Israelites have been wandering in the wilderness, in the desert. 40 years. That's not very loving. Now let's pretend for a moment that we don't know anything about God, or that we don't really know the answer to whether God is loving or that he cares about us, or that we don't know the end of this story look at what his word says. In Leviticus, we find that God is holy. That means he is perfect. He is pure. He is righteous. He is faithful. In Psalm 73, we see that God is good. That means he's not bad. There is no evil in him. In Deuteronomy we see that God is just. That means that he does what is right. He is fair. I mean there's so many other things that we can learn about who God is by reading his word. And here's the thing for you to know and understand. I know that I am not holy. I am not good. I am not just. So even though there are those who cannot grasp the God of the Old Testament with this idea of justice and goodness and holiness, for me to try to convince someone otherwise, when I can't begin to fully understand who God is and how he works, I'm going to trust that no matter how bad the situation might look, that God is still holy and just and good. That never changes. Because the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And he does not change. Or as the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus Christ, who is God, is the same yesterday and today and forever. If we go back to the Israelites, we'd say, why were the people walking around in the wilderness for 40 years? Oh, that's right. Because they would have rather stayed in Egypt than been freed from slavery. They worshiped a golden calf instead of worshiping God. They were unfaithful to God. They didn't put their trust in him to do what he promised. Why did the people of Israel get struck by these snakes in the first place? Oh, that's right. Because they spoke out against God and Moses. They cared more about filling their bellies than being spiritually fed. Just like before, they were unfaithful. They were not putting their trust in God to provide. And what he was providing for them, they weren't happy with. It was worthless to them. Now you might be thinking, does a little complaining, a little grumbling, really deserve fiery snakes and death? Here's what I can tell you. I am not good. Yes, I already said that, and it's worth saying again. I am not good. You are not good. No one is good except God alone. Straight from the mouth of Jesus, I am a sinner. You are sinners. And so when we look at the things that happen to people in the Bible, the punishment that they're given, or the things that are allowed to happen to them, inflicted upon them, even if it's death, in those situations, I look at myself in the mirror I look at the things that I've done, all of the sins that I've committed over and over and over again. And you know what? I see someone who is deserving of God's wrath and punishment and vengeance. Paul described himself as the worst of sinners. And when I look at myself in the mirror, that's what I see. The worst of sinners. There is nothing good in me. There is nothing good in my flesh. Even if I want it to be good, I can't. I don't. It doesn't happen. And so if you look at yourself in the mirror and all of the things that you've done and all of the sins that you've committed and you say, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I'm certainly not the worst, not me. Or, well, I'm not as bad as those other people. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person most of the time. You're only fooling yourself. And if you do feel that way, that you're a pretty good person, that you're better than other people, I'd point you to the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee who announced to God that he wasn't as bad as the tax collector and all of the other sinners the pharisee who fasted and tithed i mean someone who tithes is obviously a good righteous person right and let me remind you that the pharisee did not leave the temple forgiven that day rather it was the tax collector who said god have mercy on me a sinner god's word is very clear Paul tells us what you deserve for your sins is only death. You, on your own, with all of the things that you have done or haven't done, your sins, there is no life. There is only death. The Israelites deserved nothing but death. I deserve nothing but death. So God, in his mercy and his justice and his goodness and his holiness, would be right in smiting me, striking me down, doing as he pleases, because I deserve it. God is a God of justice and goodness and holiness. And when you read the story of the people of Israel— you will see that when they cry out to God, God saves them. That's why they're in the wilderness in the first place. When God called to Moses from the burning bush to go and rescue the people from the land of Egypt, he said to Moses, I have heard their cry, their plea. I know their sufferings, and I will deliver them. And when the people begin to suffer and die from the snakes, and they cry out to God, they admit their sins. And Moses speaks with God. God instructs Moses to erect a snake on a pole so that whoever looks at it will live. So Moses makes the bronze serpent and sets it on a pole, and whoever looked at it lived. When the tax collector comes before God and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner guess what? God gives him mercy, and he forgives him his sins. So if you, if I, come before God in repentance and confess our sins, and I ask him to forgive us, guess what? He is faithful and just and forgives us. That's great news. Sure, that's great news, Pastor, but you still haven't really done anything about this wrath and anger and punishment thing. I mean, God still punished a lot of people, and lots of people died. Okay, you're right, but I'm not going to do anything about it. God does have wrath, and he gets angry, but his wrath and anger are righteous and justified. Because of the sins that all people have committed against him. He is perfect and holy, and he wants us to be perfect and holy. And we're not. And because of that, we deserve his punishment, his wrath. Because of our ungodliness and unrighteousness, we deserve death. God is right to pour out his wrath upon us. God is a God of wrath. But he is also holy and good, and just. And he doesn't want any of us to suffer death. He doesn't want to pour out his wrath and punishment upon us. But he still has to pour it out. Someone has to endure the punishment. Someone has to bear the burden of the sins of the world. Someone has to take our death. Someone has to take our hell. Someone has to take every single thing that we deserve for our sins. And because God is holy and good and just, and because he loves us, he took it on himself. All of his wrath, all of his punishment, all of the suffering that is earned, all of the hell that is deserved, God took it. Because God is love. He loved us so much that he took all of our wrath and placed it on Jesus at the cross. God loved us so much in this way that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He did this because he knew it was the only way to save us. And we can see a connection between the people of Israel and us in the stories today. Moses lifted up the bronze serpent so that anyone who looked at it would live, that anyone who looked at it would be saved. Jesus was lifted up on the cross so that everyone who looks at the Son of God and believes will be saved, will have eternal life. Just as the instrument of death for the Israelites, the serpents, Became their instrument of salvation, the bronze serpent. The instrument of death, the cross, becomes our instrument of salvation, Jesus' death on the cross. And it's there that we see that God is not a God of condemnation, God is a God of salvation. Because his wrath was poured out on Jesus so that we wouldn't endure it. And his resurrection from the dead proves that the wrath of God has been satisfied fully and completely. That we have received the forgiveness of our sins. That we have received eternal life. Or as Paul says, since we have been justified by Jesus' blood much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Jesus died for me, the worst of sinners. Jesus died for you. He shed his blood for you. And you are saved from God's wrath. And all of this is a gift from God. By his grace, we have been saved. And his grace has been that we have been given. By his grace, we have been given the gift of faith, which saves us. And none of this is anything that we have done or earned or deserved. It's all God's work in us. God the Father taking the wrath that we deserve and placing it on Jesus because of his love. And grace. Christ's death and resurrection for our salvation because of his love and grace. The Holy Spirit giving us the gift of faith to believe in Christ's death and resurrection because of his love and grace. This message of salvation is a message that God wants all people to hear because Christ died for the sins of the entire world and he wants all people to be saved. And so I pray that when you look at the cross, that you see this as a message worth sharing. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray that when you look at the cross, that you see Jesus' death, which was paid in full for all of your sins. That when you look at the cross, that you would see the condemnation that Jesus took for you. That when you see the empty cross, that you would see that Christ is alive, that he is the life of all the living, that death has lost its sting because death has been defeated. And when you look at the cross, that you would see the eternal life that has been won for you, that has been gifted to you by grace through faith. And that when you look at the cross, you would see the eternal life that is truly yours. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.